I have one question for you. Are you ready to do your fertility journey differently? Hey there, I'm Bella Hilton, and this is the Studio Fertility Podcast, where each week I bring you real, actionable tips and strategies to help you get your mind from chaos to calm and your body from resistant to receiving. So if you want to feel better now and improve your fertility, let's do this. Hey everyone and welcome to the Studio Fertility Podcast and I'm your host Bella Hilton. Now I just want to straight up say if you are an avid listener then you would have heard me talking about uh, moving across the country, not across the country, across the world Uh, and my podcast in sometime in the next two months because things are really starting to ramp up. I might not be getting them out consistently. I really hope to, and I'm going to do my best because I love putting these out there for you guys. I hear so often how much these podcasts help you, have helped some people to stay sane on the process of trying to conceive their baby. So I really do like to get them out there for you. But I have so much cleaning and so much decluttering to do. It's actually a therapeutic process. My friend always says that you get the house you want or the environment you want, right? Just before you try to sell the place or before you move, because that's when you fix all the broken things. Well, that's when you throw out the clutter that's been keeping your environment feeling less than. And boy, oh boy, I wish I had chucked out so much more than I have before now, because decluttering your space and your environment can actually go a long way to helping your brain feel more sorted and calm too. Like a calm environment can help create a calm mind. Makes sense, right? And honestly, like there are just so many things that I have been putting up with that you that I just haven't realized. And if you've got something in your environment that's just been bugging you, I say go and do it. Do that, you know, it might be a spring clean for you, but it might also be a, a summer clean or a winter clean, but just get rid of it because it just feels so good. And I think that is a good segue into our topic today because there is something else that can create a calmer mind, and that is sleep. And I want to talk to you about why sleep is so important and talk to you about how to get better sleep. And I feel like I've been, I'm kind of an authority on this because sleep has been a little elusive for me in the past. I'm much better now, uh, but it is something that I manage because I tend towards a busy mind, a mind that doesn't let me sleep sometimes, um, and other things, but we'll get into the nitty gritty of it. Now, if you aren't aware of how important sleep is for you overall, then let me give you some highlights through example. Throughout my life, there have been many times that I've suffered from insomnia and there are a reason that they call it suffering right from insomnia because I was suffering. Uh, one particular time I can remember I was going quite, through quite a traumatic, uh, tumultuous time in my life and my body was just not allowing me or rather my mind was just not allowing me to get adequate, adequate sleep. I was kind of subsisting on this three hours a night maybe. I was really struggling and my body felt like it was in a constant state of jet lag, but definitely that fight or flight. But it's like, if you've ever had jet lag, you know what that's like. It's just like walking through fog. And I remember hanging out with a friend one day. And as we went to cross the road, I actually asked if I could actually hold on to him as I did so. 
because I was really afraid I was going to pass out as I crossed the road and I didn't want to like, you know, get run over too, (laughs) right? Because I was constantly dizzy and felt out of my head and slightly out of control. Much of me begged and then my body would just make me pass out to get some relief. But alas, that never happened. I needed to manage my stress and my thoughts and my self-care. Only that wasn't a time of my life where I was very good at doing those things at all, right? So night after night after night after night, my body was just falling apart. Similarly, I remember being a volunteer at a psychology-based event once, a course I'd taken before, right? And so I was literally helping the participants um, as a volunteer. And I remember one really sweet woman. She was just beautiful, but she was just sobbing uncontrollably this day. And she just couldn't get it together around a, a trauma in her life. And there wasn't a thing I could do for her to help her, right? I mean, there was, and I'll get into that, but there were no words I could use to help her to gain perspective. She was what I think of in my mind as in a hole, right? She's in the hole and sinking fast and we've got to like get the, the um, boy out to, to save her, the life vest or whatever. And so knowing what I know, I asked her a couple of questions. How much have you eaten today? And how much sleep have you been getting? And it quickly became apparent that her body chemistry was way off, right? So I just let her cry because there was not much I could do about that at that time. Her body chemistry had taken over. And and I just let her talk and, and I led her to a restaurant. I couldn't fix her sleep right then and there, but I could fix her food and water intake. And that was something really important. And once she ate something, she was able to calm down and start to see somewhat clearly again. And that night made sure she got the sleep that she needed too. Those two simple things, and she was a completely different person the next day and able to process the thing that we've been talking about, that she was inconsolable, inconsolable about the previous day, right? When we subsist on little sleep, it throws off our body chemistry, right? And what we, all we want to do in this fertility game often is balance our hormones. Like that can be so important. And so subsisting on little sleep will actually throw off our body chemistry. It will make us more irritable and less able to handle difficult life circumstances as well. And long sl- long-term sleep deprivation can lead to a host of other side effects too, like trouble with short and long-term memory, impaired concentration, moodiness, and not able to handle your emotions or process them, right? Elevated blood pressure, increased risk for diabetes and heart disease, which is to say it breaks down the body, right? When we want to get to a place of health in our bodies, health in our minds, it's not going to do that if we're subsisting on little sleep, um, even too little, right? I'm not talking about three hours. Sometimes I'm talking about six hours or just not enough. Weight gain can be one of them, uh, balance and coordination, and something that we probably don't want in this game, a lowered libido, right? A lowered sex drive because you kind of need it. And when it comes to fertility, it's been well-documented, Well documented, for example, that women who are night shift workers will have higher instances of fertility struggles. 
So it ironically hits the medical industry quite a lot, doctors and nurses, the ones, the very ones there to help us look out after our health. Funny, right? So sleep is like the housekeeping of the mind to help us sort through our thoughts. It also allows us to rest and give our body downtime for repair. Inflammation is definitely higher in those who don't get enough sleep, right? Plus, like I said, it throws off your body chemistry and when it comes to reproducing, it can throw off your hormones. We may stay up later with our phones and blue lights affecting our melatonin levels, which can lead to hormonal imbalances, which can throw off ovulation as well. And studies have shown there's a link between a lack of quality sleep and difficulty conceiving. Besides which, you know how much better you feel when you get quality sleep, emotionally, mentally, you know, productively in your life. Lack of sleep will undo the toughest of people and make them a, you know, a pool of jelly. And it all comes down to our circadian rhythms, right? Our circadian rhythm is our internal body clock. Your circadian rhythm is the thing that makes you feel so horrible when you land in another country and have to assimilate to the new time zone. Or even sometimes just shifting for daylight savings, right? How can one hour throw you off so badly? It's not just about the fact that you only slept for five hours on the plane on a 24-hour commute, right? I mean, you can tell I'm Australian. <laughs> that 24-hour commute is normal when we're going to Europe and New York and places. We have to travel long distance to get places. Anyway, it's why you can be suffering with jet lag more than just if you, you know, pulled an all-nighter and managed to get to bed the next night in your own time zone. Does that make sense? It can take a while for your circadian rhythms to adjust your body clock. It's like when you wake up in the morning, you get hungry. Um, you know, maybe it's eight o'clock and you regularly go to the bathroom then. Lunchtime, you know, your body gets hungry, right? It's all about your circadian rhythms. So your body will naturally get tired at a certain time too. Now, I don't want you to go off in a panic because one night you didn't get enough sleep. And enough sleep is different for everyone, right? But usually like seven to eight hours. It's that point where you wake up in the morning feeling refreshed. And if you haven't felt refreshed in a while, then you should look at your sleep and start prioritizing it because it is one of the biggest things that you can do for yourself. So it's all very well and good to talk about good sleep patterns and getting enough sleep when you're trying to conceive. But we also need to talk about how to get that good quality sleep. Because I tend to find that a lot of women are having sleep issues uh, when they're going through this. And the funny thing is, often it is because of their stressful life situation, right? Not, not being able to conceive, which just causes them to feel more stressed out and be able to cope even less with their situation, throw their hormones off more with their cortisol, you know, blah, 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 etc. So if you're sick of feeling tired and wanting to feel a little bit more stabilized in your mood, uh, decrease, you know, the inflammation in your body, here are my biggest tips for getting a good night's sleep. So firstly, let's look at some of the issues people have. Number one is not being able to fall asleep. Two is waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to get back to sleep. 
Three is waking up too early in the morning, no matter what time you go to bed. Four is working uh, night shift work. And five, being so busy that you're constantly up late and then up early too. So I'm going to give you the not so obvious um, stuff that you, you, you know, not the stuff that you can find on the internet tips from someone who, you know, has had to manage their sleep for a long time, me, right? You can go to the internet and you can find all the limit this and do this and blah, blah, but I want to give you the not so obvious stuff. So number one, usually when we can't get to sleep at night or wake up in the middle of the night, it's because our brains are in overdrive. Our stress levels are through the roof and we need to get that sorted. Now, like I said, most people say limit your screen time. When you wake up with a lot on your mind, write it all down. Have a nice relaxing bath before bed with some Epsom salts. These are all great things, right? But not if you don't sort out what's going on between your ears and the way you're managing your life and thoughts. Yes, don't work right up until 10 p.m. like on something really serious on your job and then try to go to bed. You can't switch off. Don't exercise too late because that will stimulate your body, right? A bath might get your body to relax and get your body to switch off a little more from your stressful day, but not if what between your ears is constantly delivering you a toxic monologue that keeps you stressed out and on high alert, which makes total sense. Even if that is because you aren't handling a stressful deadline at work, like priority number one is to find better strategies to manage your stress to change your dialogue, to experience your world differently, and then you can work on your sleep more effectively, okay? Number two is to develop a better relationship with sleep. This sounds obvious when it's said, but when I explain it further, it feels a little counter to how we experience it. And that's why um, uh, it doesn't, you know, make sense right up front. So what you know when you can't get to sleep or wake, when you wake up in the middle of the night, you get frustrated, right? At least that's what I did. And you almost start to panic then about getting back to sleep. Have you ex- ever experienced that? We look at the clock and say, oh no, it's 3 a.m. I've got to get up at six. I've only got three more hours to get some sleep. And then we stress about getting back to sleep, which literally fuels us to stay awake, right? Now I've learned this technique quite by accident. But I lived with a flatmate once who literally loved sleep. I can't stress this enough. She loved it so much that that getting into bed was her favorite part of the day, which, you know, if we unpack that is sad in some ways, right? But for someone who's having trouble sleeping, it is literally their most hated part of the day and their favorite for five minutes. Favorite in that they have to stop pretending to be tired and they can finally collapse. But then when they can't fall asleep or wake up in the middle of the night, it's the worst, right? Or if they're anticipating having a bad sleep. So we actually start to develop this love-hate relationship with sleep. We talk about it how we almost hate it. We walk around like getting a lack of sleep is a badge of honor. Like, ha, 
you think you're tired. I only had three hours sleep last night again. Almost like it's a brag, right? We start to perpetuate our lack of sleep. So this flatmate of mine walked in and said how much she loves sleep. Like you, <laughs> like she was talking about a person like it was her life's passion and work, right? It was, it was quite funny to watch. But as I did, I realized in that moment, I'd been going about sleep all wrong. I had developed a bad relationship to sleep, not a good relationship to sleep. I'd been doing all the limiting my screen times and things like that, and it hadn't been working for me quite in the way that this new technique did. I needed to start talking about how much I loved sleep, even just to myself. And it's not a lie, right? It was not a lie. I loved sleep and I still do love sleep. I just wasn't getting enough of it. So I started to change my language that day and every night before I got into bed, I would sit there and I would talk about to myself, like even just in my head, how much I loved sleep. And I would actually get into the emotion that I saw my flatmate get into, or maybe not that much. (laughs) Um, um, And I have never slept so well in my life. For six months, I slept so well. Even if I woke up at night, I would get back, you know, and have to go to the toilet even like, you know, which we can sometimes find stimulating. I go back to bed and get back to sleep really easily. And it's not that I don't sleep well now. I just really noticed how well I was sleeping then because, you know, um, I don't use this technique every night now, but I was really on a course of trying to find something that would work for me to help me get better sleep at the time. But I don't need it now, right? But sometimes I still do. Sometimes I still use this technique in that if I wake up in the middle of the night, instead of panicking, I just talk to myself about how much I love sleep and I stay calm and usually fall back to sleep fairly easily. Of course, there are times when it hasn't worked. Sometimes I wake up or I can't go back to sleep and I'm because I'm just not tired, right? No matter what I do, no matter how tired I was during the day. Have you ever had that exhausted all day, but you go to bed and like literally not tired? And maybe you don't even feel particularly wired, but you just don't feel tired. Well, when I have that, I get up and I do whatever I feel like doing until I feel tired and then I go back to bed, right? See, we prejudge sleep to think that if we don't fall asleep and stay asleep, you know, straight away and stay asleep all night, then we've somehow failed, that we're somehow not getting enough sleep. But sometimes your body just doesn't need it. I've had nights where I literally only got four hours of sleep and felt absolutely fine the next day because it wasn't due to stress or whatever, right? And there is a difference. Or I've gone to sleep, woken up, been awake for a few hours because I just woke up and I felt really awake. And then I've gone back to sleep when I felt tired again and woke up in the morning absolutely fine. In fact, that's how I'm led to believe that they used to sleep in days when they needed to get up and stoke the fire, right? Um, They used to sleep for a couple of hours, get up, stoke the fire, do some things, and then go back to bed. So instead of putting emphasis on what society says is the right way to sleep, put emphasis on yourself on just feeling refreshed in the morning, however that might happen. 
Starting to judge and panic that you aren't sleeping just makes everything 10 times worse and means you won't get the sleep if you in fact do need it and won't enjoy your awake hours if you don't, right? Um, Even if those are in the middle of the night. So here's another tip. If you wake up too early in the morning, this is where I will get practical. You need to consider if you aren't sensitive to light changes. I wake up with the sun. I have pretty good blackout blinds in my room, but the slight light change in the room in the morning makes all the difference and I will wake up. So I need to prioritize fixing that firstly. I need to (laughs) make sure that my blackout blinds are um, even better, but also going to bed at a time that will ensure I get the hours I need because there's no sleeping in for me apparently, (laughs) right? Also, your circadian rhythm might be off. If you're waking at like 4 a.m. or something, right, um, and you can't go back to sleep and this is regular, you might need to start um, shifting this maybe with the help of a professional. There are people out there that help people shift their circadian rhythms. If you're not prioritizing your sleep, well, that's a choice. And it is one that you need to change if you want to start feeling refreshed, if you want to start balancing your hormones just a little bit better. And look, maybe you are that busy and maybe you need to just prioritize your sleep at least two nights a week to start to uh, get better at getting some better sleep and seeing if that helps you to be more productive so you can prioritize it up to five nights a week, right? Um, Now, shift workers. And all of you lovely people, I know that some of this is harder. The other thing that I often suggest to people to help them to get to sleep is a daily practice of hypnosis or some other thing that allows your body to take itself out of fight or flight, out of uh, your nervous system being on. I just find hypnosis really easy, accessible, right? And so easy to fit into my day because you can literally put it on as you're going to sleep at night, right? You don't need to actually fit it into your day. You get into bed, you um, stick on some some of those um, headphones, like uh, headband headphones, um, so you don't have like uncomfortable... Uh, stuff in your ears. You can even get ones that um, block out the light for your eyes as well to really help you. I'm sure all shift workers kind of, um, night shift workers have those, at least the blackouts for their eyes. And just you stick on your hypnosis, right? All my clients tend to start sleeping super well with my hypnosis tracks and some report that even their husbands are getting better sleep. So it's win-win, but it's such a simple, easy win for your nervous system if you have to sleep um, if you have to sleep night shift if you have to do night shift so those are my major tips they you know they online they talk about blue screens they talk about limiting caffeine etc and those things can help you know if you're working last thing at night and then go to bed and then don't give your brain downtime to clear from work cue insomnia right you're not helping yourself uh, I don't watch scary things scary anything basically before bed or even those shows sometimes with the suspense music because my dreams will be intense and I can wake up not feeling very rested I um, I'm really sensitive to caffeine right so I do tend to limit it before 12 p.m two cups of caffeinated tea before 12 is really all I drink 
Um, and those time, those are the things that I do when I'm really at my worst, but I've been known now to have one as late as 3 p.m. and be totally fine. I know what a rebel, right? But I know myself and I work with myself now that I've worked it out and tested those boundaries, okay? I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. I really wish you the best night's sleep. Sleep tight and sweet dreams, everybody. And I'll see you next time on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Studio Fertility Podcast. Remember, if you like this podcast, go ahead and subscribe so you can make sure you know when the next episode drops. And you can find other episodes right now at studiofertility.com slash podcast. And of course, if you know of anyone else that would benefit from this podcast, make sure you share it with them and pay it forward. We are all in this together. Make sure too that you give us a five-star rating to help others find